well be Jesus. The podcasters keep on coming. Doesn't matter what's going on. They just keep... I'll just do You know what? You're getting a great insight into what my poor wife has had to put up with for the last 20 years. We were 20 years married there at the start of June. And it's always been a case of, ah, yeah, no, I'll just do this one more thing. Yeah, and, and, and oh, I just have to go there for the day. And, uh, and as a result, I think I've only ever taken, the most I've ever taken is like three weeks holidays altogether when we went to America as a family a few years ago. But other than that, I just can't stop. Just keeps at it, producing podcasts and everything else like that. You are listening to the Irish in Sweden podcast. And I'm not in Sweden at the moment. I'm actually away, uh, closer to Norway than Sweden, right? I'm in a hotel outside of Brighton because I'm working with the Norwegian women's team for UEFA at the Women's European Soccer Championships, which I hope you're watching on the TV and I hope you're watching uh, Sweden getting involved there. They're expected to go a long way. But um, <clears throat> I've worked with the Norwegians on and off for a couple of years for FIFA and that kind of thing. And it's fantastic. And I had the opportunity to come back here. And uh, as a journalist, it's brilliant, right? Because it's not really journalism because you're working for the governing body, but you get to work very closely with the players. And that's the interesting thing for me. I want to be you know, around the players and I want to be able to promote the women's game just because I think it deserves it. Uh, we men have had our own way for an awful long time. We've always had an awful lot of promotion around our sports. And I'm sure the lads listening to this who are the same age as myself or maybe older will remember that there was very little space given to women uh, in the media or indeed on the sports fields or that kind of thing. And it's great to see that turned around. And of course, where we all live in Sweden, you'll see evidence of that everywhere. Uh, the Dormals fan scale is fairly well covered we've had our own Louise Quinn that we've heard on this podcast playing there and that you know so it's great so I'm in England at the moment um, this may be the last podcast I may have to take a week or two of a break after this right simply because it's really difficult uh, to keep all these balls in the air so to speak so I don't have the opportunity to go you know setting up interviews with people and I don't really have the time to say because things change very quickly here they might say to me this evening right the team are training at 10 o'clock in the morning and then you know an hour before they say oh they're actually training at 2 o'clock in the afternoon so it's quite difficult to organise these things but there is a podcast this week and it's one that I'm not going to say I was looking forward to and I'll tell you why in just one second before I do that I want to tell you that this is of course a listener supported podcast supported by you the wonderful Swedish Irish community and if you want to sponsor that if you want to be able to contribute anything to that the price of a cup of coffee in Espresso House every month you won't get a biscuit now for this but you will certainly get the cup of coffee for that uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and become <coughs> a monthly contributor there so 50 crowns a month would be absolutely great and like I say if you've been out around town at all, right, you wouldn't even get a few ice creams for the family for that now, but it would make a huge difference to me. The more people that support it, the better. The, the more time I'll have, the more effort I'll be able to put into making these podcasts to keep bringing them to you. I will carry on regardless, right? And don't feel bad. I know you probably won't, but don't feel bad if you can't pay for it, right? This is for everybody. It's for the community. It's not something that, you know... Uh, it's like you know, it, I never put it behind a paywall or anything like that. I'll tell you that now, you know. But if you can contribute, please too. And uh, if you want to, you can swish a few bob to the show on one two three two four two four one six six. That's one two three two four two four one six six. And if you happen to have. Um, a company that uh, you haven't burned your entire advertising or sponsorship budget for the year, send an email to Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on LinkedIn or anywhere like that. And uh, I'll be happy, I'm more than happy to relieve you of your marketing and sponsorship money and uh, put your ideas before the people, right? And actually, part of this podcast has been brought to you by the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. So they were very generous and... Um, have come on board to support the show, just like Veerstrom's Pub in Gamlastan. And this podcast is brought to you by them and Veerstrom's. And as I say, it's one of those podcasts that it's kind of bittersweet, right? Because we get a lot of people who have lived in Sweden and stayed in Sweden for a long time, like myself. And then we have the people who spend a little less time there, right? It might, you might be working up on one of the data centers. You might be here on a contract. You might be here to work with a specific client for a little while, and then you're gone again. And this podcast is for absolutely everybody. But we do see a certain amount of turnover in the community. And it's always a joyous occasion. And it's, you know, it's only a few weeks away from us now when the new Erasmus students come in and when the new interns come in to places like board be a, and like Enterprise Ireland and the various different state agencies and it's always you know when you get a new second secretary or new ambassador that's always great but the sad part is always that 
you know these people are going to leave and you're kind of waiting for the day when they say oh yeah look my internship uh, my graduate tra- trainee program has come to an end and now it's time for me to, to move on but that said the year or two that those people spend with us like they're some of the people that i remember most that i have the fondest memories of and indeed the people that we become closest to in that time um those of you who played football with the Stockholm Gales or who have been involved in Nordic Gaelic football at all will remember a chap from Clane in County Kildare called Peter Conroy. And I swear to God, lads, I kind of love him like a son. He's off now in, I think he's living, actually probably not too, too far from where I am now in England. But uh, he was studying law and he was overdoing an Erasmus year and he played football with his brilliant left foot, fantastic player, really funny character, really great crack. Uh, and then he was off living in Scotland and living in England. And you keep in touch, you know, but um, it was great to have him there, but it was very sad to see him go and exactly like that just a couple of years ago Owen O'Connor came into our lives on the graduate program for Enterprise Ireland and literally I I don't even think it may have been the same day but if it wasn't the same day it was the day after he arrived in Stockholm he was down training with the Stockholm Gales and he's just been a fixture there ever since he's been a tremendous player he's been part of the committee for the soccer uh, section of the club and he's also been a hugely important part of the chamber I was setting up and being part of the Irish Chamber of Commerce and getting young people involved there and representing them and moving that forward because these young people are an absolutely vital part of our community even if they don't stay and we hope that they all will but even if they don't say stay they contribute brilliantly and and you know very warmly and very creatively to the things that we do so uh, i wanted to do a sort of an exit interview if you like with owen o'connor because owen has a new job coming up in london and i just wanted to sit down with him and go through his time in sweden his work with the chamber and the things that he did and uh, what it did, the benefits they gave him because it's something that definitely are involved if you're involved in the business community all you should be considering being a part of that because of the connections that are involved meeting young people like owen he might be the next fellow that you'd hire or his successor might be the next fellow that you'd hire and you know and also in a way to give back as well because we can help young people like Owen when they come over here if we're involved like that and there's some more formal form of mentorship which is starting uh, in the Chambers programme and you'll hear more about that in the interview but in the meantime as I say it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment but here is the interview with Owen O'Connor This is a very special episode, if you like, special to me anyway, of the Irish in Sweden podcast, because one of those sort of sad things that we have to deal with is lads coming and girls coming and then people going away. Owen O'Connor, you're leaving us. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm off. So I'm not even here two years. I'm going to London in the next month. So yeah, just the way that... What, what, what did we do to upset you? <laughs> no, I've had a great old time. Just suppose new opportunities. Uh, there was nothing really tying me down to Sweden. I suppose in that way that I, I felt I needed to stay so I'm, I'm still young I thought there'd be a few more places I wanted to see along the way that's alright it's you know I mean we sacrificed things for you that's okay you know <laughs> take us back on because you arrived over here if I remember rightly you arrived over here and either the same day or the day after you arrived you were out in Scarpneck playing Gaelic football pretty much straight away right how did you end up in Sweden at all in that case yeah good memory for play too that's true there you go um, so don't let the grey in the beard fool you, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I applied for the uh, Enterprise Ireland International Graduate Programme yeah. and then I got to the final stage and uh, before we were going in, like there's obviously like 44 offices around the world, so everyone puts New York, London, all the kind of like major cities. As I just assume you were no different, were you? Yeah, I was the same. I wanted to go to all those kind of places and then um, the person who was running the programme before I went into the interview, this is about a month before COVID hit, so it was, it was in person. And um, she said to me that, you know, maybe pick some kind of random locations that might not be um, as popular, I suppose. So then I went into the interview and Hannah Fraser, who is my manager now in the Nordics office, in the Stockholm office, sorry, is, uh, was interviewing me. And then they asked me at the end, kind of like, where would you want to go? And just because Hannah was in front of me, I think Stockholm was in my head. Such a kiss. <laughs> so I said Stockholm. Um, and I don't know. Then a month later, I remember just getting the email, or maybe two or three weeks later, probably getting the email saying I was going to Stockholm. So um, I didn't really know what to think. I'd never thought about moving here before at all. Did you know anything about Sweden? Genuinely nothing. Like, I knew nothing. <laughs> nah. And I didn't know anyone here before I came. 
it is crazy and i find like I'm, I'm not sure what you think but like a lot of people here that i hang around with it's kind of like you know i, I ended up here it's similar to like mm. what the way we talk about coppers or something no one seems to have like a set plan to come here so i ended up here for some reason and i don't know why most of us still think it's fucking switzerland after all these years <laughs> yeah, exactly but when you were going to university because you had just graduated from university then so your career mm. plan you went to belvedere you're the kind of lad who has a career plan oh, right? i knew you'd bring that up me you? i decided to get in early so i could keep using it through the podcast then as well yeah but when you were doing that like what did you study in dublin that brought you to enterprise Ireland in particular uh, I did a course called Best in Trinity, which is like business economics and social studies, but I finished doing business and political science. Mm. And was that the plan then? That, like when you looked at your sort of potential employers, you know, potential next steps, you went Enterprise Ireland in some remote location. That has my name written <laughs> all over it. I knew a few people that did the graduate program, so I'd heard good things. And then I suppose I worked for a few startups while I was in college. So a lot of the early stage companies in Ireland would be trying to receive some sort of funding from Enterprise Ireland. So you would have heard about them before. And I think even in the like Leaving Cert Business course, you, you do a little bit on Enterprise Ireland or like the state funding that you can get yeah, as a company. Up, yeah. So uh, I think I was always like in, like I knew something about it, but not nothing really. And yeah, like literally I hadn't a clue what I wanted to do um, when I was in college and like, you know, a lot of people in my course, the, the natural like path and a lot of my friends would have went on to the big four, the accounting firms mm. and done the three and a half years of the the exams there. And I just didn't really have any interest in that. Really wanted to kind of travel, get out of Ireland, see a few places. I think as well, because I was from Dublin, as you said, I went to Belvo. So I went to school very much in centre Dublin. Then mm. I went to Trinity. See, by the time I was finished college, just knew so many people in Dublin. I really just wanted to kind of get out and explore. Mm. Uh, you're a well-read man indeed you have a podcast going through great books and you have some, had some great people on that including my good son but uh, I think it was Oscar Wilde that said there are two tragedies in life one is not getting what you want and the other is getting it so when you say to Hannah Fraser yeah I'd love to come to Stockholm and then she emails you and goes oh you're on your way what's the next step there do they just send you an airline ticket and go best of luck find an apartment or what happened there yeah it's weird because obviously COVID hit then so kind of things got weird then and it was like are we actually going to uh, be able to get out to the locations on time? And Or like, you know, is this a case that they're going to make us work from home for a long time, which a lot of people uh, in other offices actually were, just did their job from Dublin. But I was obviously Sweden. I was listening to you on Dumphy's podcast and thinking, Jesus, could be a good place to move to. <laughs> the uh, pubs are open. Yeah, this sounds all right. Um, stuck at home in Dublin. So yeah, it just kind of went from there. I actually hadn't, when I got the Enterprise Ireland program, um, when I got the email about an hour later I was actually going in for an interview with Dublin Airport the DAA oh, wow. to do the graduate programme there um, now I'm glad I didn't take that just with everything that's gone on there since uh, really they seem like a great company but like just the way things happened um, but yeah just from then on you kind of were waiting around for the contract for a few months like it was a good six months lead in before you actually um, you know moved over so yeah. I had to finish all my exams and stuff from home and then did a summer and then I got over straight away, so I didn't have to wait around, and then moved over. And I remember no one wearing masks. It was just so normal here. Yeah, it was amazing the difference because, like, literally, we were back training there. We took a little bit of a break, and it was a time when we would spray the odd O'Neill size five with a bit of um, hand speed or whatever they call it, some sort of alcohol crap, and then just went out the window. So it must have been completely different for you then, because not only that, you came over and you were pretty much into an office environment. You were meeting mm. people and you were playing football straight away. Was it a deliberate sort of a strategy for you to go, okay, now that I'm going to work for Enterprise Ireland, I've spoken to Hannah, Hannah's involved in the club. Did you go, yeah. okay, I'd have to find a few Irish people to give me a steer here kind of thing? It wasn't deliberate, but I suppose because I was working, we're in the embassy, so there's like a lot of Irish heads knocking about mm. with, you know, it's Sport BR, uh, DFA and ourselves. So like there's a lot of Irish people. And then I suppose just, yeah, because Hannah was involved and myself and Daryl Carroll moved over within two weeks. Yeah. He kind of uh, joined before me. So, yeah, I suppose I knew going in that, like, I was going to have to do something to make friends because I'd never done that before where I'd move somewhere and not, you know, gone with a group of people. Mm. So I knew that I was going to have to be very deliberate in terms of, like, you know, put myself out there, trying to get to know the lads and mm. just try to get to know as many people as possible. But, yeah, I think because we're in the embassy, though, we can get very Irish-centric, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because, you're, you know, you're very aware of everything that's going on in Ireland. You're trying to make connections with Irish people that are in the market as well. So you kind of, you do become very kind of, like, flying the flag a lot more than I thought I would. But mm. I, I've actually really enjoyed that part as well. Yeah. 
you know, you've never really felt a sort of that you lost touch with home at all because you were in touch with people there every day, pretty much. Eh? Yeah, like because obviously Enterprise Ireland we're dealing with Irish companies, so our kind of mm. main thing is helping them grow. In my case, into the Nordic region, but so every day the kind of main people you're on calls with are Irish companies that are based in Ireland. So mm. most of the time that is Irish people. So I didn't really you know feel like I wasn't in contact with home at all and you kind of do have to keep up with what's going on to, you know to make conversations and stuff with the clients mm. um but yeah it's uh it's been a good way like I, I really enjoy a lot of our role is kind of bringing together the Irish business community uh in the different countries that we're in mm. and I, that's something I found that you know really really um enjoyable the events that we've had getting to know people like the likes of yourselves that have been here for years and that you know great stories to tell and then as well people are just so helpful and they want to help which has always been the case was it a big culture shock for you on because you come from a situation where you've just been through school then you come through trinity and now you're in a completely different situation where there's very experienced people like hannah around you right enough like but you're you you're in the firing line for the first time, right? The decisions you make make a difference to somebody's business. You mm-hmm. have an influence. You have a responsibility to people. Was that a tough thing? That, you know, and that's aside from COVID and all these other things that were going on as well. Was it was that tough to get a grasp on for uh, in the beginning? Yeah, like I, n- not really. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I didn't find it that much. Like we're definitely not the end point for any of the companies. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's not like you're obviously giving them advice. You're trying to help them out as much as possible, but at the end of the day we're not the ones making the sales or you know kind of finishing those deals for them um and i think as well because i'd worked for a few startups i'd worked my first job was you know literally in an apartment like this with a founder of a company and mm. um, so kind of everything i did there was very heightened and pressurized as well you know and if you don't make it or if you don't do well for a startup you know time is money there so mm. you're kind of really hyper aware of that so i think i was kind of used to that anyway coming in but definitely, I think uh, grad programs are really good in terms of like getting you a start in your career, kind of understanding, uh, you know, because you're kind of given that leeway for two years. If you make a mistake, people are there to catch you. Mm. And that's definitely been the case with Hannah and, and Hugh, for example, Hugh McCarthy, who I've worked with a lot as well, that, you know, I've kind of just sat in, learned from them a lot of the way. And then kind of after six or seven months, kind of they let me run free a bit bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really good experience, I have to say. And um, yeah, we've we've got our time in the office. Was it what you expected when you were coming over and when you sat down and spoofing your head off to Hannah and the rest <laughs> of us Enterprise Ireland? And you go, yeah, I'm going to do this, I want to do that. Did it turn out to be the same as that interview or did it turn out to be completely different? The job or, or Sweden in general? Well, we'll get to Sweden in a second, but okay, the job yeah. in particular, you know? No, I think the job's very varied and I think it just really depends on kind of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so really it's like, I don't think a lot of the time we have complete... Um, we can't really plan exactly what's going to go on, uh, you know, for companies here mm. or who might have interest. So kind of one of the main things I think for Enterprise Ireland and, and one of the main things I've done in my role is try to kind of promote the region as a business culture or, or a place to do business for Irish companies. Mm. Because a lot of people don't know about the market and I'm sure, you know, you've you've seen that before in the last 20 years or whatever, that it's not a place that people think of or people might just, you know, think it's, oh, it's very expensive up there. I don't have any connections so they, they're kind of less likely to go up there. They're not really as aware of the opportunities. Mm. So from that perspective, I suppose, the some of the bigger companies you might want to work with um, or some of the companies you think that would be great for here, they might just not be putting in the kind of resources or time into this region. So it's kind of a waste of time for us to then help them out. Mm. So you're kind of really identifying who the companies are that are, are putting time and effort into, into this region. Um, and that's kind of... You know, it's a process of just reaching out to companies, or companies will usually come to you asking, "Can you can you help them?" So that's where it kind of depends. Because if a company, you know, anyone could kind of ask me to to, can you look into this for me or or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. every day has been quite different in that. Um, I also do a lot of like social media stuff as well through that. So that's been that's been interesting. I didn't think I'd have as much as that. Uh, the job definitely wasn't the same because of COVID for the first year. Obviously, a lot of our role is going to events, traveling to, to meet with people, um, bring companies along to events up here, trade shows, and etc. Whereas that for the first year um, and more probably, that was completely off the cards. Mm. Um, so that was a shame. Obviously, I've got way too used to kind of doing online meetings and stuff. And I think in-person meetings are always better. 
Mm. I'm looking at Dara's LinkedIn lately. He's like, of course, I put up those videos. Like, Here I am out at some agricultural uh, machinery <laughs> seminar or whatever, you know. So you are sort of starting to get out again over the last like, six, nine months or so. Uh, how much of Sweden do you feel that you've seen? Because I know there was, mm. a, didn't a couple of lads go off on a sort of road trip last year just before the Stockholm Gaelic football tournament when driving around the country and that kind of thing? Have you, have you got to, to experience Sweden outside of Stockholm then? Not really, to be honest. I was, I think the road trip you're referring to was about a few months before I came, actually. Um, I think that was Kev and all. Um, Kev was definitely involved. Yeah, yeah. I think they went up north and stuff, didn't they? But yeah, I've, I've definitely done a good bit of Stockholm and the kind of outer parts of Stockholm. My most kind of adventurous trip I've done in Sweden was Kirina. Kirina, If okay. I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, that's very good. Um, so yeah, definitely Kirina was amazing. We did that in February. So got to see Northern Lights and... Mm. Like, I think, really, I didn't think I'd enjoy Northern Sweden as much as I did. Um, obviously, it was only two days, but, you know, we did, like, the likes of snowmobiling and, like, um, you know, just even how beautiful the sky is during the day there and how bright it is. It's a really unique part of the world, like, somewhere I've, I've never experienced anything quite like that. Mm. Um, I don't know how people live up there 12 <laughs> months of the year, though. It's actually crazy, like... It's mad. Yeah, and how vast it is as well, like, because... We stayed in a camp and there was a massive lake and it's just so much space, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and then through GA, obviously I was up in Yavla when we won the, the Nordic Championship last year, or Swedish Championship, whatever we're calling it for last year. Um, so Yavla as well, Gothenburg, I don't think I got to Malmo, but that was kind of my main places around Sweden I've got to. And then with work, I've been over to Helsinki, Oslo and down to Copenhagen a fair few times as well. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah, I suppose I haven't done the whole out to the archipelago as much as I should have. Well, that's a bit late now. Yeah, it's a bit too late now. <laughs> but in, in terms of what like, you mentioned, the being up in Yavla there, that was a Swedish championship last year. We kind of had to scale it back because of COVID, because mm-hmm. the rest of the cowards in the region didn't want to be playing for. I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> but in, in terms of how, how important was sport to you? Because, like I say, within sort of 24 hours, you were training with the Gales. You were very much involved in the starting of the soccer section of the Stockholm Gales. You played pretty much every position on the pitch, from what I've seen <laughs> there. Scored a couple of cracking goals, both in the Gaelic football and in the soccer. How, mm. how important has that been to you in terms of set? Yeah, huge. And it's funny, I hadn't played sports in years until I came back here. Jesus, I couldn't believe Because I remember, if you, I'm going to interrupt you straight away. That when you sort of walked onto the pitch, the first half of GEA trainers got, oh, brilliant. That's that's a player, that's a footballer, that's a fellow who knows what to do. And you always want to see them. And you seemed really fit as well. But you're saying that you hadn't really done a whole lot of sport over the intervening years. No, not at all. I hadn't played Gaelic football. or I played, I played soccer one year when I was growing up or something. I never really actually played just, you know, up in the park beside the house kind of thing really Jesus. but uh, with the Gaelic I stopped when I was like 16 I played for Nafina when I was growing up mm. um, when I was 16 never very good was always like a B team player um, and I suppose just with school I got involved in kind of other things like Vincent de Paul and stuff and found that to be a lot more you know enjoyable mm. and then in college I just didn't really play anything so I didn't think I'd enjoy the team sports as much as I did but like for me anyway anyone moving over here I'd definitely be telling them if you're in any way wanting to get involved even if you're not going to be you know first team player the Gaelic and the soccer has been so important to us and like I, I remember you know just last summer um, you know I was barely ever in my apartment you know the kind of from April to September because every night we were training we were doing like two nights training with Gaelic one night training with soccer and then we had matches as well on a Sunday so you're kind of constantly going 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 Mm -hmm. but it's such a good way in terms of you know socialising with the guys getting to know everyone like the the T-Banner trip on the way home from training is honestly one of the funniest parts of the week (laughs) and it sounds so silly but it's a great way just to kind of you know instead of going to the pub and meeting people on the weekends or whatever it's a really good way to kind of be with everyone get to know them in a different kind of way. There's a lot of lads that you wouldn't see socially that you see at Gaelic training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. I think I didn't... I, everyone talks about, you know, the GA when you go away, that it's, uh, you know, a great way to kind of reconnect with the community. And it's something, you know, until you've actually experienced it, you don't re- actually realise how important it is. Did you give that bit of side out? Like, yeah, the GA, oh yeah, all right. Like, you know, there'd be a bunch of fellas crying into their fucking lion's tea in Stockholm, that <laughs> kind of thing. I would have assumed it was very, yeah, like just really like people that are really into their GA and you know kind of just they love GA from you know growing up and that's why they were kind of playing not that it was kind of this way to kind of get to know people even like the GA WhatsApp that we have like yesterday was a pork put in about the the locks or whatever Mm. you know stuff like that very helpful that we have that yeah he was looking for a locksmith yesterday yeah yeah "Yeah, go here go there yeah but it's just like it's so funny that it's such an easy way for us to make group chats like that that Mm. then can become something you know that has nothing to do with GA. It's just about setting up and and a way to kind of get to know a lot of people. But 
but yeah, I didn't I didn't expect it to be as kind of welcoming and as friendly as it was and such a way to kind of connect with people um so easily as well. You know, I trained then the first day I remember I got there and I think it was Aaron Rath was like, Oh, what are you doing? Why why are you here? Um anyway, we're all going to Beerstrom tomorrow, Kev's playing a gig and mm-hmm. it's just such an easy way for people to get you know, get told about those type of things, what's going on. Um and just such an easy way to kind of ease yourself into into life here and I know for a lot of people they move abroad and they don't want to you know just be the paddy abroad or whatever mm-hmm. but I think it's probably it's too simplistic as we're saying there what what I thought the GA would be it's it's actually just much people just want to help mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be this kind of real old Irish thing or whatever well, I think the great thing about this club and I mean myself and Colin Courtney started it and it's it really feels like the kind of place where there's no obligation you don't have to do things mm. it's there if you want it and we always described it as you know more or less a safety net it wasn't something that you had to give something to but right. it was always there for you regardless of what happened so the fact that you experienced it in that way it sort of gives yeah. me sort of great hope for the future you know what did you learn about yourself when you were here oh Jeez, that's a big question. Came with a big philosophical sliding tackle there. Yeah, well, um, that is a good question. Was there anything that surprised you in the, in the time that you were here? Yeah, lots now. I haven't given that a whole pile of thought. Like, one thing I definitely surprised me in the first year was obviously really hard to get, you know, back and forth home yeah. because of COVID. And I, like, growing up, I used to be very homesick going, going away for school trips or whatever, going to the Gales. The first mm. few days, I'd find it really difficult. Um, I think definitely that, like, I didn't get homesick at all throughout my two years here and for whatever reason I feel like maybe I'm not as inclined to be in Ireland for you know another good while I think that's something that I've definitely learned about myself that I'm happy enough being abroad I enjoy kind of new cities meeting a lot of new people and um, I think that was definitely something jeez you've you've put me on the spot there I'm trying to think there's definitely other things you know but even I suppose because I was 22 when I moved here Mm. Like, it was my first time actually not living at home for more than three months or whatever. Uh, you know, did summers were, and stuff. Were you worried then that you wouldn't succeed? That you'd let Hannah down? That you'd let yourself down? Was there any sort of fear coming over here that, fuck, this might go... I might be back home in six weeks because I can't deal with this. Like, No, I don't think so, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, too too cocky of me no, to that's, say. that's 100%. But I think, yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought that. I think I just knew I wanted to go abroad so badly and I think I knew I was going to settle in. Funnily enough... The, my fourth week here my apartment got robbed though Jesus. Uh, which I remember everyone being like what the hell you're in Sweden and you've got robbed that, that, it's but that nev- literally never happens either yeah right? so I know for like a few months after that there was definitely that kind of and that's something I definitely learned about myself just things can go terribly wrong and mm-hmm. like especially that's another thing back to GA like you know I've no family here I've no like really you know close relatives or anything to call in those moments so who do you talk to for those type of things it's like to yourself and like people that have been here for a long time mm-hmm. that you know are really really important during those moments but just in terms of yeah that resilience because things just went wrong for my first three months here uh got robbed remember in then november obviously it gets dark at like two mm-hmm. i got covid so then i had to stay indoors for that and i remember Jean, this is the worst place in the world i couldn't wait to just get out of there um, be free like I really found the darkness really difficult at the beginning yeah. but I think yeah that resilience piece and just being able to kind of roll with the punches and you know okay something's gone really wrong but it's not detrimental like things are going to get better you know you mm. can you kind of have to just work work through it mm. um, yeah um, but the people you went to university with or the people you went to school with there's obviously friends that you sort of make there were they surprised when you said yeah look at, I'm going to Sweden kind of thing and what do they think of that decision now when you're you're done here and you're on your way to London do they think you were fucking mad wasting your time or do you think it was would they say it was the right thing for you to do I'd say definitely say it was the right thing but um, yeah I, I remember kind of people being like oh okay yeah you're going to Sweden that sounds fun like the enthusiasm definitely wasn't there for like what it was <laughs> Um, that was obviously for the first month before COVID hit and then kind of more and more people learned about the, the Sweden COVID strategy and I think people were more jealous then um, because obviously when I moved over I like was really you know texting back being like this is mental like I, I'm doing whatever I want and you guys are stuck at home yeah um, not saying you know whatever right or wrong that the, the approach was right or wrong but it was definitely nice from a freedom point of view mm. and um, yeah I think definitely people like the obvious choice always for people our age is to go to those English-speaking countries like, you know, America or London or Australia or wherever. Obviously, those kind of options were limited at that time because of COVID and a lot of people's travels plans were kind of cut short because of that. But yeah, I definitely don't think people were, you know, like, geez, what, what's he doing going to Sweden? For sure, people were thinking that. And then, yeah, for now, I think a lot of people, I think 
people didn't expect COVID to go on much longer than it did, as long as it did, sorry. And I think now there's just a lot of my friends, there's such a bent up desire to just leave, get out, you know, see a new place, not be stuck at home, you know, and really get out and see the world. I think that that's for my age and my generation in Ireland, if you were stuck in COVID for the past two years, you know, it's it, people really, really want to leave now, mm. um, which is sad, but, you know, I think it's good as well. And I think... But I think it's really good to go to these types of countries where it's not a massive Irish community as well, mm. um, and to kind of you know, it's 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 nice to know that you know you've come here for the past two years, you've set up a life for yourself, and you were able to get by. Mm. Um, in terms of the Swedish people that you met, because obviously you would have met Swedish people through the club. There's plenty of them. Um, there was people that you worked with. There was people that you dealt with in the business community. Did you make any sort of friendships there? How did you perceive them and the sort of the, the cultural differences that exist between Irish people and Swedish people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I've, I haven't made as many socially, I suppose, as I probably could. Maybe some of the lads' girlfriends and stuff that I'd be close enough with. Um, and then there's a couple of the guys in work. One of them in particular, I'd be fairly close with a Swedish guy. But um, yeah, I, I find that Swedes really beat themselves up a bit. But they kind of make themselves sound as if they're terrible people or or really rude and stuff. Um, and it's funny you mentioned about the cultural difference. We did actually kind of a team building day a few weeks ago. Um, around the cultural differences between Ireland and Sweden because yeah. it's it's mainly Irish and Swedish people in the team. It was just really, really funny to kind of, you know, she was linking it back to like the COVID strategy here and, and like that kind of lax approach that they have and, and consensus driven. Yeah. And you definitely do see that. Um, and I think as well, probably it's very easy for us to, you know, be sarcastic with them and them not to get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think for sure, I, I really like the Swedes and I think they're really polite, really like nice to deal with. I've also found, I'm not sure what you think about this, but that they seem to be very like independent people. Mm. Uh, is that because they move out early? I'm sure it has something to do with that, but they seem to be very, you know, able to do things by themselves and, and they're independent in that way. Um. As well, I find them, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this as well, but this was something I said, that they kind of confirm everything that you say. Yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, the way we said, yeah, we say, yeah, there, but they, they're like, yes, that is correct, or something like yeah. that, and I'm like, yeah, I know. That's but correct. that's the consensus of society. Like, and if you're sitting in business meetings in particular, some Irish companies find that difficult because mm. you're you're sitting and you're discussing something, and you know, like if everybody isn't on the train, then no, this train ain't going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that thing of the constant sort of affirmation that yeah, we're going the right direction, we're all pulling together here is a fascinating one to, to pick that up. I just have this idea of everybody in Ireland house there from the DFA. And being an enterprise around. and it looked being like that episode of Dairy Girls where they've split up, you know, the things between Catholics and Protestants, yeah, and yeah. or Swedes put their toaster in the cupboard, kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. You know? yeah. But did that make it? Did you sort of de- develop that understanding quickly? Did you notice this quickly when you were going into meetings and that kind of thing? It's like, okay, you have to have the coffee, you have to have the bit of cake, the little bit of chat, and then we all have to sort of, we all have to be on the on the same hymn sheet here. No, I wouldn't say I d- developed it quickly. I think and definitely developed it. Uh, I'd say it was quite slow actually because it was online, especially like the business yeah, calls yeah. with people. It was kind of slow, um, and I think then when we kind of the past year in particular, I've got to like see it a lot more in action when we've been, you know, a lot more people coming into the office and stuff and and being actually out and about meeting people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that kind of delayed learning for sure because of COVID. But yeah, it's just really funny. Like the woman who did the culture day was even saying that. You know, um, there was a Brazilian family or something she was helping here and they went they went to the doctor here and they wanted, you know, just to get prescribed medicine. And the doctor kept, you know, asking, like, what do you think we should do? And they were like, I don't care. You tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. and that type of thing is just, it's very interesting that they, uh, but I think it's good. Like, I think that they have a really good society here and I think mm. it works really, really well. Mm. Um, and I think we, we, as Irish people, I know you're always kind of banging on about this as well. We can learn so much from the, the models that they have here in particular. 100%, yeah. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of stuff that works really, really well. There's some stuff that works absolutely terribly, but the mm. stuff that works well works really, really well. You know, yeah. I go back to I spoke to Dunphy about that before as well. And um, when the, the million programmers, when they built a million homes in the space of like ten years, I think it was one million six thousand. I think it turned out to be. I mean, imagine doing that in Ireland now. But that's another pontification podcast, you know, for some other time. Yeah. Two years. Two years was the contract with Enterprise Ireland, right? Mm. That's the graduate program. And at what point then do you start looking around? Going, Mm, I have to have a look and see what I'm going to do in whatever August of 2022 when, when does your head start turning the rubber neck start going I'd say I was pretty early um, I, I, <laughs> it's going to fucking get sounds, me out of here that's, yeah that sounds terrible no I, I, was, I was really enjoying I've really enjoyed the job 
just to be clear on that but yeah I probably started thinking about that like November last year mm. um, I'm getting kind of contact with people just you know a few doors that might have been open a few years ago see if they're still open kind of thing Yeah. Um, and then yeah just kind of thinking about it for a long time trying to really work out actually what I wanted to do mm. um, and that's kind of the difficulty still I think you know what I mean but that you, like I work a lot with startups and I thought maybe kind of going into the investor scene would be interesting then it's you know kind of spoke to a lot of investors and i was like actually i don't have any interest in doing that so <laughs> it's kind of good though that i worked that out i think as well and i actually spoke to people instead of just kind of having preconceived yeah. ideas and then going for it and then obviously i thought maybe working for some of the early stage companies would be really fun too and i still think that's something that i probably will eventually go into again mm. um but yeah then kind of the the london job came up a few months ago maybe february march what, what are you going to be doing over there it's basically just the same as what i do now but just in the the london office and obviously for, for Enterprise Ireland. For Enterprise Ireland, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, obviously the the UK is maybe a bit more of a, uh, you know, it's a bit busier market for Irish companies, so I think it'll be interesting. There'll be a lot more stuff going on. Hmm. And London, I thought as well, was actually my first choice for the grad programme, so I kind of always wanted to, to try it out, but now I'm a bit scared. I think I've got so used to a nice, small city, well-connected to moving to a city of 10 million people but we'll see how we get on the funny thing is that like and it took me years to realise this as well London is actually exactly the same mm. it's like Stockholm is built on all these islands right yeah. and it, London is pretty much the same. it's all these islands there's no water between them but each borough is a sort of a place unto itself mm. and the city is one thing and the business community is one thing but once you get outside of that you know it, it really is like you know it's like 10 million people in a village kind of thing once you get used to it and it like I say and one of the things I did that, that sort of taught me that was I stopped taking the underground and instead, either take the bus or walk, or the one thing that Boris Johnson did right was putting in those bikes that you can rent and just cycle around the place. You're a Boris fan, right? No, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'm a big fan of his Boris bikes, right? So, and that was what taught me that, yeah, London is actually an awful lot smaller because you, it can sort of get on top of you. It's like mm. going to New York. I mean, the first time in New York, just looking up the skyscraper, going, fuck me, humanity isn't meant to go that far up in the sky and yeah, conquer yeah, yeah. kind of thing, you know? Um, is there anything you wished that you'd done in your time here? Yeah, definitely, as I said, kind of done more in the archipelago, gone kind of on those, like, swimming, uh, like, swimming out in the archipelago and stuff like that. Boats. How did you celebrate midsummer this year, by the way? Did you just oh, stay Don't talk. I, I missed the flight back. From, I shouldn't actually say that. I missed the flight back from London uh, that morning. I was oh, at an no. event, so I didn't get in here till 10 o'clock. So the guys were down in Uto, I'm going to say. Uto, yeah. Yeah, so they were all down there, so I actually missed it. Oh, so you, yeah, there was no boats down there at that time. No, time not that, well, it was 10 o'clock as well. I wasn't going to be going anywhere too far, I don't think. The lads be in um, shambles as well. I yeah, think. I think so. But yeah, definitely those type of things I would have, uh, I wish I kind of spent, maybe just got an Airbnb out there. I've spent a bit of time in Lidinga, if I'm saying Le- that right. Lidinga, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, that was really nice. It's obviously not, you know, too far from here. But, uh, and then I only did like one day skiing, I think. So I think I should have spent a bit more time on those winter sports. Yeah. Um learning how to kind of ski properly because yeah it wasn't a good experience my first time and uh, <laughs> had you ever skied before no i'd never skied before and i went up with like sean donnelly who you know uh, yeah. who's a good skier and a couple other lads that were very good stevie for example and they so, so they just took you up the top and went off you go son yeah genuinely they told me i'll go on up uh to the they, they told me to go up on i went up to rama which is like two and a half hours from here yeah they were like oh yeah we're going up this one so i, I was like Fallen over anyway, got to this thing, put put on in between my legs to go up. Yeah. And I was like, this couldn't be right. Like, why would I be going up here? I've never skied before. But I was halfway, not even halfway, I'd say it was like a quarter of the way up the hill and I fell on oh, the thing. Yeah. So then they the snowmobile tried to come get me, but I was like on a proper slope. So I had to like trudge my way down the real deep snow on the way down Shit. um so yeah i think i might have had a bit of ptsd from from skiing from that so i haven't really gone back to do it but uh yeah just those kind of like winter sports i think as well or i probably haven't as haven't learned like you know even just like um actually one thing charles jameson always told me to do yeah. uh, in the chamber he always asked me to come down um to ice skate on the on the lake when it's frozen over and i really wish i did that you never got around to doing that no, no? and it's definitely too late now I did walk over a few lakes and stuff, though, so that was fun. <laughs> a couple of shortcuts up here in the winter that wouldn't otherwise be there yeah, in yeah. the summer kind of thing, you know? Um, with this chapter coming to an end now, I mean, you mentioned Charles there, you mentioned the chamber, you were really sort of involved now. How useful was that to you? Yeah, really, really good. And, and like Charles in particular, he's, he's, such good, uh, he's such a good advocate for Sweden. He absolutely loves Sweden. 
um, never met a man to, to love it more. But yeah, just in terms of like that kind of mentorship uh, perspective, I, I found it to be really beneficial um, and uh, just something to, that was really you know helpful in terms of understanding kind of particularly from a business point of view how yeah. things are done here and understanding what's going on in the companies. Obviously, Charles has worked for, he works for Electrolux at the minute, but he previously worked for a few other big companies here. So, um, and, and there's like lots of others within within the, the chamber that do that. So for sure, just kind of that business learning um, and understanding uh you know how things work and then just kind of general career advice as we were talking about previously i think the mentorship kind mm. of i got um that wasn't you know an official mentorship was really really helpful and that was just kind of from you know our, our general calls or coffee meetups and stuff that we would do mm. and i know now that they're actually they've set up a proper um coordinated mentorship program mm. which would really encourage any of the like younger members that might listen to this um, you know, you do have to be a member. It's like forty five euro for the for the for the year. But I mean, some of the caliber of people that you'd get to meet through that are really really helpful. And you know, people want to help. So like, if it's there, you might as well take it. I know it's obviously a bit of a price that comes with it, but for forty five euro to get a really top quality mentor, it's it's not the, it's the worst. Well, in fairness, I'm thinking about what people, what consultants here tend to charge, right? So the lads who might be on, you know, working on the big sites and that kind of thing, mm. like it's anything between ninety and hundred euro an hour. So if it costs forty five euro for the year, yeah, yeah. And even if you're over here with with Board B or, or with Enterprise Ireland, if you're over here with you know whatever company is working here, it is worth it because the, the likes of Charles and the, the rest of the people involved in there, like they've forgotten more about doing business in this country than most people will ever know. Mm. And it really shortens, like the fact that you didn't have to reinvent the wheel yeah. because these people are there, like it shortens it so much, that, you know, to an extent that sometimes you don't even realise it when they go, oh, okay, well they've told me that, so I'll just skip doing all that nonsense. It's like calling people in July. There's absolutely no fucking point to calling people now in this country because they're all off in their summer house. Nobody wants, and in fact, they probably won't want to do business with you in August or September if you yeah, call if you're them. Ring them then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever see yourself coming back here to sort of do some of those things to go skating on that lake and to you know put the PTSD of skiing with John? Don- <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a word with John Donnelly as well because that's an awful thing to do, just dump you up the top of a mountain on a crazy, wasn't it? Like, um, yeah, I definitely hope to come back to be honest. I've, I've it's weird as well because only probably the last six months I've felt like properly settled in the city and, and really kind of feeling like I'm mm. you know thriving in Sweden. So it's kind of maybe two years is almost too short, but it's probably for yourself as well. I'm sure you found after maybe two year period that you were really kind of settled in the yeah. place and, you know, you felt far away from home and stuff. But um, I'd for sure want to come back and visit. And I think it's weird as well. You don't know that it's such a nice summer here. You'd never know that Sweden has such a nice summer. Um, it's not somewhere that we holiday, obviously, probably, you know, it's expensive and stuff and just mm. not, not somewhere where people go. So for sure, I really like the summers here of, you know, Stockholm's such an amazing city to be in in the summer. So much water, swimming. Mm. But for sure, I'd love to come back and, yeah, who knows when that might be. But I'll be definitely, if I still have a few friends here for the next few years, it'll be, it'll be easy. Oh, I'd say the, the judging by the amount of people you met, you will. I mean, just remember <laughs> Zach Elbazadi coming over here this time last year. And he thought that, you know, this is brilliant. The weather's lovely. Everybody's out. Everybody's happy. Not realising that in six months' time, it's going to be the exact the exact opposite kind of thing. Could you ever see yourself working here again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't definitely say no. I mean, like I, I think it's such a good place to be. And I think the quality of life has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll be able, uh, sorry, if I'll ever be able to match that, uh, the way it works here. And just simplicity, I think, as well. Public transport's so good quality of the housing as well has always been really good where i've lived mm-hmm. um, and i've lived around a few places and i think for sure the and i do have connections here now which is the nice thing mm-hmm. into different companies and, and different things and i like the way the the working culture is here you know people jetting off at four o'clock during the day and stuff is nice <laughs> but uh but no for sure i think uh, i think it'll be very different working culture in london i think that's something i'll have to get used to but i, th- I think it's a really good place to live and a really good place to work and people are really open people are really friendly so i think for sure and i I can't see why not that there might be some some opportunities to come up here and as well like i'm far from having kids but like the benefits are pretty insane Mm. Uh, and i think that's amazing that that's prioritized so much here too and that's definitely something i've learned about myself as well over the past few years is that i do want to kind of i don't want to be someone that's just stuck in the office for you know 12 hours a day i want to make sure i am getting out and living life as well mm. um and i think it's it's good that i came here for that as well to, to learn that because mm. i think in ireland we do have that kind of you know stay until the boss leaves uh kind of 
thought process. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit old fashioned, all right, you know, and, and you probably find the same when you go back to London as well. Now, there's some of those things that just don't work. Like the whole idea for me of working 40 hours a week is no, if you can do the work, that's your guy um, who I know really well, I worked for a long time with Paddy Power, and he was going, if you can do 10 decent minutes work a week, he said, that's literally all I do these days. It's 10 minutes, you know, the rest is just fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> um, one very final question you've been very generous with your time here now because I know you're packing your bags to go on holiday and then you're packing your bags to go to London. On. If there was one thing that a person who's listened to this podcast, Podcast, right it's july they might be coming over to take a graduate trainee role with enterprise ireland or the dfa or they might have been offered a job with electrolux or that if there was one thing that you wish somebody had told you about sweden before you moved here what might that have been oh god if you remember back to arriving in Orlando now and going do, do i get the bus or do i get the train or the taxi or how do i find a place to live or any of those kinds of things that stuck out but the you? yeah well definitely number one thing is that you'll need a personal number to do absolutely anything because <laughs> i do that's the one thing i think if that process could be sped up a bit mm. um, and if you could start the process before you come so you're not just uh, landing blind and having to wait six months to get a personal number um, I think that for sure is the one thing I would have liked to have known because I'm sure there is things you could have done before you moved over to kind of get the the, the, uh, the wheels in motion um, because it's such a limiting thing as well. You can't have a proper bank account. It's really hard to join a gym. You have to pay like the year membership up front mm-hmm. if you don't want to. So I think for sure just getting the personal number sorted is definitely the hardest thing. Um, and as well, I think one thing that everyone says that um you know it's fine don't learn the language because they all speak english but i kind of wish i look back now and i'm like i'm such an idiot that i never learned the language because i think that would have been such a good way Mm. to kind of you know integrate with swedish people a lot more um and just kind of i think for i think the conversations i'm sure they would be more comfortable having in swedish um so for sure i think just from the get-go being aware that the language is a really important part of their culture mm. and not to kind of just dismiss it because they speak really good English. That, mm. You know, they, if, the, if you try, I'm sure they will, you know, help. As I say, it breaks my heart that you're leaving because you've just been such a fantastic guy to have around the place. Somebody who's always willing to do anything for the community, kick a football, go out for a drink, whatever it is. I wish you every success and I hope that I get a WhatsApp message from in a year or two or five or ten years going... I'm on my way back. Any chance I game a ball on Saturday? But for now, Owen, the best of luck to you. Well, thanks for everything. Thank thanks you for everything, Phil. You've been a chance. No, my life's a disaster, so... I got a stepdaughter so fucked up because her real father's this large-type asshole. I got a wife. We're passing each other on the downslope of a marriage. My third... Because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. That's my life. Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Now, if you're around me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a a marriage. Well, that's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? I have a woman. What do you tell her? I tell her I'm a salesman. Hey, you're two greats. <clears throat> there you go, two greats of the game there. No, not the O'Connors, Philip and Owen. But uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino from a great movie called Heat, uh, one of the few movies that the pair of them actually acted opposite each other. It's a great heist movie. And uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. There's loads of explosions. That'll do me. Um, one of the things I meant to bring up before I spoke to Owen, who, as I said, I'm going to miss just a, a vast amount. And I want to say thanks again to him and, and through all you people and just tell you what a fantastic guy that he is. Um, take on board the advice there about joining the, the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. Uh, you can go to their website i'll put it in the show notes and you can pay them a visit and hopefully get a few of you to sign up because i know i think carl lambert is involved there and there's a few other people involved there um that you know it's just it's one of those things that if you're in any kind of business at all if you're you know if your work is about networking or that kind of thing it's definitely worth being there uh, and either you'll get an awful lot of value out of it yourself but you can also probably bring an awful lot of value uh, to it because there's an awful lot of smart and creative people listening to this podcast as well 
But as I say, the last of the housekeeping in the Swedish-Irish community this week. Since the last time uh, I spoke to you, SAS have applied for what's called for uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the United States, right? So basically what that means is that nobody can put SAS out of business now until they're ready to be put out of business, right? It gives them protection from their creditors so that they can go and find new sources of funding and this kind of thing, right? So if you've got flights booked with SAS at the moment, you're still kind of protected, right? Now, there is a strike on at the moment that's causing an awful lot of flights to be... um, delayed or cancelled and that's one of those things that chapter 11 doesn't protect you from that you'll have whatever statutory rights that you have to do with that but at the moment it's still safe in a covid world in a world with a strike etc etc it's still safe to book flights with sas right a lot of us have experienced, uh, I think it was Sport Lover there back at the uh, in February or March, we had a flight cancelled as a family coming back and we are rerouted through wherever we end up having to come back through Copenhagen and the kids were going nuts and what have you. But th- those things are still there. That's still going to happen. That's the day-to-day part of running the airline in uh, in a post-COVID world, right? But feel free to continue booking because um, you know it, they will still be there. And they do say that if you have Euro bonus points, or if you got things like we got some sort of vouchers or whatever's compensation for the flight being cancelled last time. So they're still going to honour all those things for now. So you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to panic about those things just yet. So uh, and keep using them. I'm sure they could do with the support. They are one of the only airlines, if not the only airline, that's currently flying from Arlanda Airport in Stockholm directly to Dublin. And I'm sure there are ways of getting there from Gothenburg as well. Um, and you can also get there, of course, uh, via Copenhagen. So there's plenty of flights to be had there. So keep an eye on the situation. Like I said, at the moment now, that's going to buy them a little bit of time, right? So they're not going to go out of business anytime in the near future. I would imagine that strike is going to have to get resolved reasonably soon. As far as I know, and somebody might correct me on this, it's to do with the fact that the pilots aren't happy that there's another company, um, the Swedish word is bemanlings for a dog. So it's like one of these where you hire in, it's like a shell company. So you rent in pilots through this other company, right? Um. And the SAS pilots who are employed directly by SAS uh, don't like that because, you know, obviously the people who are being brought in don't have the same decent deal that they have. They don't have the same protections or any of that kind of thing. So they, they feel they're being undermined by that. I'd say it'll be worked out fairly soon because it's not in the pilot's interest. It's not a, a, like it for SAS to go under. And it's not in SAS's interest. And it's certainly not in the interest of the Swedish-Irish community because I think I took my first flight to Sweden in 1996 around about Christmas time there on SAS. And I think we'd all like to see them survive there. So, yeah, keep booking away there. Uh, it's, geez, it's very expensive. It's fierce expensive in Dublin for hotels and rental cars and that. I know Brian Friel there, the wonderful banjo player in our community, was asking me a few months ago. And it's the same all over the world. It's the same here in England now. There's eye-water some money being paid for a fucking tiny car for me to drive around during this championships in so that's just the way of the world at the moment so uh we might have to hang on you know we might have to wait until christmas or after before we get home again but um yeah expect sas to be around for the near future anyway <clears throat> right as i say i may surprise you next week right keep an eye on the feed keep an eye if you're subscribed on spotify hit the old five star review for the crack it might help uh, other people in the community to find it uh, if i don't make it next week i'll try as soon as i'm back in sweden i'll be back uh, in touch again and i'll keep in touch on social media and instagram and that kind of thing uh, just to let people know what's going on uh, so that uh, you know when there's another podcast coming again but there might be a week or two now where i'll just let you relax in the hammock and uh, you can cut the grass and listen to david back mac williams or whoever it is you listen eamon dunphy's a good one i've been on there a good few times but various bits and pieces but i hope you're really enjoying your summer i hope you're being an awful lot smarter than i am and actually taking the opportunity to have some time off and to be with your family and to be with your friends and to be with your children and to enjoy the best of what sweden has to offer in the summer because by god if you can manage to get through the winter over there the summer is absolutely brilliant so take the time enjoy it wind down uh, there'll be plenty of work to be done again in august and all the way into towards christmas time there'll be plenty of podcasts then as well uh, we'll be back up and running in no time but uh, until then uh, take care of yourselves and take care of one another and i'll be back as soon as i can find somebody interesting to talk to me for the irish and sweden podcast thanks again to the irish chamber of commerce in sweden and the first pub. good luck